We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my friends. I'm so grateful to be in this relationship with you. My heart is open, and I'm hoping you can feel the love that's here for you now. And, you know, I imagine we can all agree that just about everyone would like to experience a life of great love, wonderful relationships, and vibrant health. So why is it sometimes so challenging and so confusing? Why does fear have such a hold over so many of us? And how can we release it so that we might really enjoy our lives and experience deeper, more fulfilling connections and optimal health? I think there are many approaches we can take, many conversations we can have about living a more joyful and empowered life. That is why I really love doing this show. And today we're in for a real treat because I have one of the foremost experts on healing, health, love, relationship, miracles, and life. I've had him on Journey to Center before and so happy he said yes to coming back again. We are here with someone I truly respect, deeply appreciate, and completely adore, Dr. Bernie Siegel. Dr. Bernie Siegel had a long and successful practice as a general and pediatric surgeon. He retired from practice as an assistant clinical professor of surgery at Yale in 1989 to speak to patients and their caregivers. He created something called ECAP, which is based on carefrontation, which facilitates life changes, personal empowerment, and healing of a person's life. The physical, spiritual, and psychological benefits which followed led Dr. Siegel to his desire to make everyone aware of his or her healing potential. He's been called one of the top spiritually influential people on planet Earth right now, and he continues to assist in groundbreaking new fields of healing and health, miracles, and love. He's living a beautiful example of kindness, compassion, and heart-based presence. So, Dr. Siegel, thank you so much for being here today, again, on Journey to Center. All right. Now, you prepare to be quiet while I think of, you know, speak about the stories <laughs> that I've been going through my head while you talk about relationships. Okay. It's hard for me to be quiet. All right. <laughs> but it's your turn now, so yes. I know you admire me, but think <laughs> about this. If you went up to my wife, because this happened one night after I gave a lecture, uh, my wife used to participate and do humor which was about relationships, you know, male-female stuff, like a Henny Youngman type thing. Um, well, just one line so you know. You know, your husband calls says they'd like to have dinner out tonight, so you leave a sandwich on the front porch, you know, things like that. <laughs> but um, the women went over to her, and I could hear them saying, oh, what's it like to be married to him? And my wife said, it's a struggle. And they all turned and looked at me like, oh, my, what are you doing? But I nodded my head because I had heard her. Now, why did I nod my head? Because I had read Joseph Campbell's comment, marriage is an ordeal. You'd say, what's his problem? It isn't a problem. He said, it's an ordeal. And that's what my wife was saying, a struggle, because it's about a relationship. It's not about the other person or yourself getting the most out of it. It's Again, as Campbell said, one plus one equals three. You've created a third entity, and that takes work. So if you want to create a relationship, be prepared to make changes in yourself, and the other person has to also. So you create an environment that works for both of you. Um, and it's at all levels. 
the most important relationship, and I mean this, on the planet is how you are treated by your parents. Now, it doesn't have to be your parents, but by the parental figure. A young lady was in my office and suicidal. And she said to me, you're my CD. I said, what are you talking about? I'm a CD. She said, you're my chosen dad. And from that day forth, I make that offer to many people. You need a father? When I hear what their parenting was like, and I know what they're suffering from, I say, okay, I'll be your father. And that doesn't mean I will like everything you do, see, but I'm more like a life coach then. I am telling you how to become a better person and loving you. And I did it with patience as well. Because when they realized somebody cared about them, they began to take care of themselves. And so I have yes. several, uh, you know, I don't know how, what you can call them, but chosen children who uh, send me gifts, Father's Day cards before our five children do, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's just such a wonderful relationship because they're out doing more for the world. A story I can tell you. Um, well, two of them. One that is entitled, I love you, because this was a young woman who heard me lecture at her school. And she said, you tell people it's okay to ask for what they need because the other person can say no if that's what they want to say. She said, I need tuition. I want to go to nursing school. Would you pay my tuition? And I said, if you had the courage to speak up and ask me, you're damn right I'm paying your tuition. Well, wow. When she graduated, but I say to them, you have to become part of our family. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Not just this stranger who I'm paying bills for. And um, a few years or so later, she called to say, I've graduated. I got a job. I can pay you back or we can start a scholarship for future students. Wow. And of course, you know what I voted for, <laughs> the scholarship. Um, That's beautiful. And, and those are the things that, you know, carry meaning forth. The other title of the story is I Hate You. Um, I had taken care of this young lady's sister, and the family had faith in me as a surgeon. So she stumbled at Christmas time and fell into the fireplace mm. and put her, you know, her hands out to stop herself from falling in. But mm. her neck and chest and arms were all burned, and she'd been a musician. Uh, she was a teenager, but she couldn't, you know, play the instruments anymore. And every day in the hospitals, I took care of her burns. She would scream at me, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And boy, that ain't no fun for a doctor. No. You know, that you're there to try to help people and someone is hating you. A mother tells me, I said to her one day, well, maybe someday you'll love me. Knowing how I treat people, I probably did say that one day. But after she got out of the hospital, she was coming to the office and she said, you know, I really need a job this summer. And I said, before I talk about that, why are you wearing a turtleneck, you know, long sleeve sweater? It's 90 degrees outside. I'm ugly. I'm ugly. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to see how ugly I am. I got her a job at a nursing home where I knew she would have, and I didn't tell her, she'd have to wear a uniform, mm -hmm. you know, where the neck is open and the short sleeves and people would see her scars. Right. And later in the summer, she was back in the office again. I said, Madeline, uh, how's the job going? Nobody noticed my scars. Nobody says anything about them. 
I said, Madeline, when you're giving love, you're beautiful. Oh. Again, what's my gift? Years later, phone rings. Hello, this is Madeline. I'm getting married. My father died a few years ago. Would you be my father at my wedding? Hmm. I said, yes, I sure will. Well, you know, at the dinner after the wedding, she said, I would like to dance it with you. And I have a special song I want them to play while we're dancing. And it was through the years, you've never let me down. You turned my life around. And um, boy, what a gift that is. You know, it's worth all the hate use to have something like that happen. And I may add, um, you know, I had mentioned that lawyers live in their head and think a lot. Um, And, you know, how I acted in the office, you see, was to to get through to people. I'll give you two examples. When you talk about relationships, you have a lawyer sitting across a desk from you. And I learned to put my desk against the wall so there was no separation from the people I was then caring for. But in this time, uh, I still hadn't moved my desk. So we're sitting across the desk, and he says, why do I need surgery? I need to understand why I should have an operation. And I thought, oi, this is a lawyer. I'll be here for three hours explaining to him you know, <laughs> why he needs an operation. So I said to him, I have five children, a lot of tuition bills, so I really need to operate and make money. And he burst out laughing. See, then we became people, if you know what I mean. Yes. Two human beings. And then we talked about the surgery and the indications for it and so forth. But I wasn't talking to somebody's head. I was talking to a whole person. Right. Even, even in the operating room, one woman said, oh, my God, I, I, you know, I'm so afraid of what can happen. And I, and I spent an hour delaying the surgery to calm her down. It mm-hmm. didn't work. I mean, doing meditations, everything, nothing. Mm-hmm. So I said, we have to go in. And I wheeled her in. And what did she say? Thank God all these wonderful people are going to take care of me. (laughs) And I thought, you know, if I agree with her, that's not going to accomplish anything. So good old Siegel, he says, I know these people. I worked with them for years. They are not wonderful people. And the whole room burst out laughing because the operating (laughs) staff knows crazy Siegel. But you see, again, in that moment of laughter, you can't be afraid. And we became family. And, mm-hmm. and so, again, I always say, use childlike humor. It's not rude humor, but it's childlike. Everybody can enjoy it. Everybody laughs. That's and true. One more and story. You, you talk about, you know, how important it is to show up in one's authenticity and vulnerability right. and relinquishing control, which I think is really hard for a lot of people. Well, you only control your thoughts. That's what I keep saying to people. Mm-hmm. You know, but your thoughts change your life. So, in a sense... Yes, you control your life by what you think. See, Carl Jung said it this way. He said the future is unconsciously prepared long in advance and therefore can be guessed by clairvoyance. I know that's true because I do a lot of work with dreams and drawings and patients. Mm-hmm. Love and that they stuff. reveal the future in those things. So I know it's true. And we're creating our future by what we do every day. I definitely think when we take responsibility for our inner world, the outer world can shift around that. And this is one of your quotes on Brainiac quotes. You can't control the world, but when you control your thoughts, you bring order. Right. When you create, see, when you choose life, you know, you know, I have that book, a book of miracles, Mm -hmm. Um, wonderful stories people sent in. 
And as I was reading them, it occurred to me that why all these so-called, you know, coincidences or miracles, whatever you want to call them, while these, while these wonderful life-saving, in some cases, things happen to people, was because they chose life. And what I mean by that is, if you choose actions that are life-enhancing, not just for you, but for the planet, you know, for all, everybody, that's when all these wonderful accidents happen uh, mm-hmm. that you know, could repair your car or save your life. Um, I mean, they're just all kinds of wonderful stories of meeting the right person. Um, and again, even in my life, I had one C in college in creative writing. And after giving a lecture one night, somebody came up to me and said, hey, do you ever think of writing a book? Because then more people, I said, look, I- I'm not a writer. I was an artist as a child. I'm not a writer. Well, he talked to people who talked to people who got back in touch with me and I talked the first book out, Love, Medicine, and Miracles. I just sat in front of a tape recorder and kept talking. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then somebody wrote it, you know, put together and right. edited it. That and my wife's help because she could say, honey, what he did doesn't sound like you. So, you know what I mean? There were all these people putting my words together mm-hmm. and ends up being a bestseller. I mean, I can write now. See, I could write a letter. But, and that's another story people. <laughs> Joseph Campbell taught me. He wrote a story in which a writer says to his assistant, they're in the army, he's writing about the war, says, you're a good writer. And the kid says, what are you talking about? I'm a good writer. Oh, that letter on your desk to your father. He said, that's just a letter to my father. Okay, they write a letter to everyone. Wow. And that really hit home for me because before computers and emails, I used to write letters to everyone. Mm-hmm. And now, yes, I email. I don't care about capitals, punctuation. You know what I mean? I just let my feelings flow. No different than the way I'm talking to you. That right. one story connects me with another. And let me get one more in um, because it touched me in terms of our choices. A young man was sexually abused by his parents. I mean, his life was a horror. Uh, if he wanted a TV set in his bedroom, he had to do sexual favor. And he ended up with AIDS. And this was way back before there was really anything, you know, when the epidemic first came out. And so I got in touch with him to help him survive. And then one day the phone rings. Dr. Siegel. Yes, Tony, what is it? I'm going to commit suicide. I said, excuse me, why? I can't take my life. I said, well, then why don't you kill your parents? That's what everybody else is doing. I know I have mafia friends in New York. We'll get you a gun. And you can kill your parents. And I never forget his answer. No, I never want to be like my parents. Wow. I'm going to go down to the subway and jump in front of the A train. You want to believe in angels? I do. A few hours later, I get a phone call. Tony, you're okay? Yes. The train didn't come. Something happened. It was late. There was no train. I'm standing in the station. I don't know what to do. And I saw the hotline for suicide prevention. Their number was on the wall. So I called up and they rescued me and they're teaching me about love. Wow. Yeah. But beautiful story. Look what he said. I never want to be like them. That's a powerful Think about the headlines. Mm -hmm. Because, oh, what's his name? In East of Eden, John Steinbeck. This really hit home for me. He said, we all experience with rejection. 
With rejection comes the desire for revenge. With revenge, guilt. And that is the story of mankind. Mm. And think That's about a all the headlines. Spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we read, you know, killing people in schools, businesses, uh, all kinds of places. That's about revenge. And then most of those people either kill themselves or the police kill them. Right. Um, well, I think these are people that are hurting. They're disconnected yeah. from love. And you say something really important. You say in order to live a life of love and to stay healthy, it means that we have to confront our fears, not mm-hmm. just project them and, and run from them. We have to confront our fears. Yeah, and that can not, be daunting. To not worry about failing. But again, you see, it gets back to growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I send 100 letters to patients with cancer years ago saying, you want to live a longer, better life, come to a meeting. Only 12 women showed up. Right. I couldn't believe it. You know, your doctor's trying to help you survive. But what are they afraid of? Well, you like to get people to draw pictures. You ask them to read books. I don't have time for a book. I'm not an artist. So, I mean, I've had people with cancer bring me a picture, and it says, I have my 10-year-old son draw this for me. Mm -hmm. Ma'am, you're trying to get over cancer, and you're afraid to do a drawing? You know, it, they're so afraid because of how they brought up. You're a failure. You embarrass us. You're never going to amount to anything. Well, I think it makes us vulnerable. We have to look within, and we think there's going to be ugly, horrible, awful stuff. I call it opening the Pandora's box of worms, bats, and stinky stuff. A lot of people are like, I'm not doing that. But I, I think a if we... question for you. Sure. You get to heaven. <laughs> they tell you your next online admission. How do you want to be introduced to God? What would you tell them? Here's a really kind person who loved animals <laughs> and, and loved Bernie Siegel and loved having conscious conversation. I don't know. What, what would I say? What do I say? Give well, the fact advice. that you mentioned my name will help you because <laughs> I'm on the board of directors here as a consultant. I'm sure. Well, he's my The, the he's answer my CD. <laughs> is still, they'll say, go ask Bernie because it's come back when you know who you are. That's mm-hmm. what I would tell you. Now, who gets in? When people come up and they say, you're next, how do you want to be introduced to God? You say, tell God his child is here. Or tell God, God is here. And then they say, come on in. And that we all need to recognize our own divinity. I mean that. That, that, you know, we are. uh, You know, if you study science, I mean, most scientists, whether it's an Einstein or anybody else, are spiritual people because it's the, you know, this universe has been around for billions of years. And it's a process of creation. The more I study it, the more fascinated I am about life. But our creator has built survival mechanisms into us. Potential, I call it. Yes. So it's don't be afraid. You know, let's see what you can do. I say that all the time. You know, if, if we knew who we were, we would never stop celebrating. Because I, I believe at the deepest level, we are divine heirs to the universe. We right. are the children in whom God is well pleased. And if yep. we can receive that, I think we're capable of miracles. We're capable of anything. Yes. And again, you have to, I say, if I had to summarize it, it would be to love your life and love your body. Yes. You see? Because it's psychological and physical. And that when your body senses that you love life, it does all it can to keep you around. So, see, what doctors call spontaneous remission are not spontaneous. They're self-induced healing. That's a term in Solzhenitsyn's book, Cancer Ward, and wonderful symbol he uses, which is coming from his unconscious. A rainbow-colored butterfly mm-hmm. flutters out of the book. 
say after the guy reads those words. The rainbow is your life in order. Every color has an emotion associated with it, feelings associated with it. You know, purple can be spiritual. Why is the stop sign light a red light? Say, mm-hmm. um, and the go is green. I mean, those things have meaning. So the rainbow is in order, rhythm, the butterfly symbol of transformation. Yes. So I see this so often. You know, I have two months to live, they told me. So I went home and I bought a dog and I put it in the backyard, wildlife habitat, and I laughed more and I took some vitamins and I didn't die and now I'm so busy I'm killing myself. (laughs) I'm going to die in the mountains of Colorado. It's beautiful there. I called up a year later to say, why wasn't I invited to the funeral? But guess what? The guy I thought had died answered the phone. He said it was so beautiful here I forgot to die. Now, again, people listening, I don't make up these stories, you see. And they are stories. When I began to meet people I thought were dead, you know, I'm out lecturing. I look in the audience and I see somebody. I thought, oh, my, what are they doing here? But they always had a story to tell me. They they weren't trying not to die. They were trying to enjoy life. And Monday morning. Yeah, when they get that death sentence, they give themselves permission to do what they really want to do. Why don't we do that before we get that death sentence? Yes, you shouldn't need your mortality. I mean, we're all mortal. You don't need permission. And Monday morning, we have more heart attacks, strokes, suicides, and illnesses. Yes. So yes. do what makes you happy. That's what Father my mother used to say to me as a mm-hmm. kid, which used to drive me nuts because I was looking for help from my mother. So I'd go into the kitchen. I'd say, Ma, I'm not sure what I should do. Do what makes you happy. Ma, you're not helping me. Do what makes you happy. And then I had to go figure out, you see, what felt what right that? for me. And I right. realized she's a good teacher. That, and I have to add one other, because I always remember Norman Vincent Peale saying, his mother said, Norman, if God slams one door further down the corridor, another will be open. And my mother used to say, God is redirecting you. Something good will come of this. And yes. I can tell you, it's no fun growing up as a kid with, you know, parents who would say things like that. But they're ultimately becoming your life coach and teaching you how to be what I call a love warrior that ultimately love becomes your weapon and you drive people crazy by loving them. Well, you do a really good job, but I, I'm not going crazy. I love it. I love doing this divine dance with you. I think you're just precious and exquisite and you have one of the most big open hearts I think I've ever encountered. Thank you. And let me say something nice about you because as I've mentioned, what you see in others is within you. So I look for people who think I'm inspiring, not because I want a compliment, but because I know if I coach them, there's inspiration in them or they wouldn't connect with it in, you know, and bring it up in me. So, you know, when you're coaching somebody, and I mean this literally, if I were coaching a football team, if you don't show up for practice, it doesn't matter how good I am as a coach, you see. So I'm teaching you. And I may say, If you're looking for a good doctor, I always say, here's how you find a good doctor. Ask the doctor, are you criticized by family, patients, and um, what was the other word? Family, patients, yeah, and nurses. Um, Mm -hmm. So the people you work with, the people you work for, and your family. Now, if they're criticizing you, why is that a good sign? Because they know you're listening and you're not making excuses. Because a nurse said to me one day when I said, what am I, the worst doctor in the hospital? All you nurses are always telling me what I'm doing wrong. She said, no, we know you care. So we tell you if there's a better way of doing something. See, they weren't saying to me, you're a terrible person. 
they could say, Bernie, keep your voice down. You're scaring other patients. Um, you know, or as one patient said to me, what's wrong? I said, what do you mean, what's wrong? Your face, it's all wrinkled up. I said, yeah, I'm thinking very hard about how to help you. She said, <laughs> think in the hallway and smile when you come in here. See, <laughs> they weren't afraid to tell me those things. But if the person you're talking to makes an excuse, you know, you worked on my roof, the roof is leaking. Well, your house is a problem. I get a new roofer. But if he said, I'll be over, let me take a look. Let me see what's going wrong. Fine, come on over so that you learn from it. So that's why I say it's about coaching others, not saying you're a terrible person, you don't do anything right. That doesn't make you better. But no, when that doesn't help at all. There's a better way of doing it and they show it to you, then it accomplishes something. Yeah. I say let your life be the living example of your beliefs. And you really are a living example of great love. And I so appreciate you and all your stories and your wisdom and your humor and just your energy. Thank you. So, Bernie, we have a few seconds left here. And really, that's it. So where do people go to get your books, your love letters, your stories, more of you? Well, my website is BernieSiegelMD.com. And S-I-E-G-E-L is the correct spelling of Siegel. And uh, some family members, our son, um, they have wisdom of the ages, and his wife and, and, and their son. Um, so they have wisdomoftheages.biz. You can order directly from them, too, or through my website. Um, and uh, I always say that if you do it through the website, there's a comment box. Put in number 36. You'll get a discount. And... Uh, or leave them a note saying, I said you're a member of the family, um, and they'll get you a discount. But uh, they're and good you souls. Can be, and you, can you can be more people's CD chosen dad. And who doesn't That's want right. more love from Bernie Siegel? I know I do. I hope you come back again, because you really well, are truly one of my favorite humans. Act like everybody's grandmother, because I always thought it was interesting that you call your children ch- your children. But when it's your children's children, they become grand children. And that's because of all that we learn in our lifetime. That's beautiful. So much wisdom. I've appreciated you so much. And to my listeners, thank you for spending part of your day with Bernie and me. I know that your heart is blowing wide open too, because that's just the energy that we like to uh, create and experience here. If you want to be in touch, TammyVPhD.com. I want to hear from you. How are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you up to? This is all about relationship. It's about connection. So God bless you. You're in my heart and prayers. Onward and upward. Bye for now.